James chapter 4 and verse 6. This has been the key scripture. And we'll write it up here again. Keep it up here. His grace is greater than anything, any problem. His grace is greater than any problem. And it says here in James chapter 4 and verse 6, we've been talking about humility and grace, not just grace, not just humility, but how they go along. It says, but he gives a greater grace. This means that he gives a grace that is greater than anything you're going to face. He gives a greater grace. It's bigger than that. You name a problem, God says, I've already provided a grace greater than that. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what its name is. Isn't that great news? Amen? Isn't it, isn't it awesome that his grace is greater? I, I think it's great myself, but that's just me. I'm waiting for y'all to catch up. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think it's awesome. His grace is greater. His grace is greater than everything. Let's just pray before we get started. Lord, we just thank you. Father, I just, in the name of Jesus, we just come against anything that would hold anybody back from the beauty of your word and your life. We praise you, Lord, and give you the glory. Father, we just bind in the name of Jesus any powers that would try to stop the fruit of your love from manifesting in the lives of every person. Lord, we thank you and we worship you. Lord, we, we just draw right now on your anointing. We draw on your anointing, Jesus, to set the captive free. Lord, right now, may, may things that have held us down, chains be broken. May strings that have attached to us from the world and from the devil be cut. And may the freedom, may the freedom of Christ reign in every place. Thank you, Father, for your freedom and your grace in everything, in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good stuff. All right. Just felt some resistance. Can y'all feel that? Could you feel the resistance before we prayed? Well, and see, that's, the devil tries all that kind of stuff. He tries to disrupt what you're supposed to do. But guess what? There's a greater grace. <laughs> There's a grace that's greater. It just takes us knowing his schemes and his plans and then knowing what to do. That's a part of his grace. We have to make sure that we're operating in the fullness of what God has already paid for. But he says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It says my people are gone into captivity because of a lack of understanding. 
So we've got to gain knowledge and understanding in him. And the more we gain, the more we see that his grace is greater than any problem. So then you can start going into situations having zero fear because what's going to be greater than his grace? Nothing. All we have to do is continue to be obedient with him. Doesn't matter what comes up in front of us. Doesn't matter what situation. If we're facing it, God's given a greater grace. All we have to do is humble ourselves and get obedient. If we humble ourselves and get obedient, all of a sudden we step right into greater grace. But a lot of times we'll come up to a problem and we'll go, Ah! Problem! Ah! Run! You know, and we're gone. And we'll, we'll uh, flesh out, you know. Uh, because we ran into a problem. Well, Christians are supposed to be more than conquerors, overcomers. They're supposed to be something else in Christ. So we should be the kind of people that walks into any situation and the problems can come up and we don't turn and run. We don't even get bothered by it. We don't even get bothered by it. Well, somebody did me wrong. Well, who cares? That doesn't really mean anything in the big picture. You know, I asked, a, I, I read a uh, story uh, at the men's group the other night, and it had to do with a, a kid that was not doing the right things. And in the end, I think it was, I think Chris said it, he said the kid was being very narrow-minded because he wasn't seeing the big picture. And a lot of times, that's what we do. We run into a problem, and we become so narrow-minded looking at ourselves that we don't actually even take into consideration the big picture of what God is actually up to. But we've got to step back from it and say, I need to see with the eyes that the Lord sees. Because a lot of times, our little problem is so minuscule in the grand scheme of things, if we step back and took a look at it from God's perspective, we'd go, why in the world are we fussing about that? Why in the world am I, am I, you know, why am I so scared about that? Why am I so emotional? That's nothing to God. His grace is greater. But because we're right there in it, and we've allowed ourselves to kind of get tunnel vision on everything that we see and hear, in other words, we're not living by faith, we're living by sight, then we become narrow-minded and narrow-sighted. Our vision is nowhere close to what God has for us, and therefore we can't move into the destiny that God has for us. We have a purpose. What we're talking about tonight is we have a purpose and humility and grace is uh, mandatory in our purpose. Humility and grace is mandatory because you cannot fulfill the destiny that God has for you without moving into the grace that he has for you. And you can't move into the fullness of his grace without moving into the humility. You can't do it. Not going to happen. You will fall short of the ultimate plans that God had for you. Why? Because he's given you a choice. So we have to get humble. We have to humble ourselves, number one, to the things of God, and number two, to each other. We have to bring humility into our lives. So this verse says, but he gives a greater grace Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
So in other words, when we are prideful, we've said this every, every week, is we actually set ourselves in opposition, in an opposite course to God. Pride sets you on an opposite course to God. Well, who do you think is going to win that? <laughs> the whole world can set itself in opposition to God. And they ain't going to win. Because His grace is greater than His opposition. And if you'll get on His side going His way, His grace is greater than your opposition. Amen? Amen. Amen. I feel like we need to jump up and shake or something, knock the world off. Everybody's like, Ugh. did he get too hot today? Has it been hot? All right. Huh? It's been a long week already? Yeah, on Wednesday. I see. Well, his grace is greater. Amen. Now, here's the thing. You're not going to grab a hold of victory and triumph by sitting there going, oh, yeah, his grace is greater. He's so great. It's not, not going to work like that. At some point, you've got to say, I'm going to see with eyes of faith. Yeah. Amen. His grace is greater. No matter what I feel like, I'm going to reach up, I'm going to grab a hold of His grace, and it will become mine. Yeah. Amen. Right. All right. And I hit my chest. I'm going to have a red mark there. That was, I hit my chest under the anointing. I don't know. <laughs> that was pretty powerful. All right. Let's go to First Peter. Chapter 5. And what I want to show you is I want to show you something here. And I'm not going to go too detailed, but I just want to kind of let you get a visual of this. So what we have here is I just drew a triangle out here. And if you can, I, I draw it this way because of the way some of these scriptures are going to read. But at the top of the triangle, the top piece, uh, you have God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, And we are under God. We must be humble to God. And then you have right below that, the next layer there is fivefold ministry. Okay, you've got apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. All right, and then under that, you have the body of Christ. Now, if you drew this uh, perfectly, you would probably put God the Father at the top, and then Jesus. You know, as kind of how it rolls because he says, I don't do anything but what the Father does. So he was in submission to God. But then he was made equal with God and seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Okay, that's an important thing. But our, our, who we need to humble ourselves to, God has set some order. Okay? And so, and you notice if you go to Psalms 133, it talks about the anointing and it talks about how that works and how it flows. And it says, it talks about the oil and it says, uh, when we actually get in unity 
what happens is the oil runs down the head onto the beard and all the way down to the fringes of the robe. In other words, the anointing and the oil comes from the head. The beard represents the elders and so it flows through the eldership and then, or the fivefold ministry in, in today's case, and it goes all the way to every part of the body, but it comes in a particular order. So we have to understand that there is an order to God for us to walk in His promises, and if we get outside of that order, then we are the ones who are messing up. We're not saying, it's not saying that the fivefold ministers are greater than the body, it's just saying that there's some order and authority there that's very important for us to realize now when we're looking here in first peter chapter 5 we're going to read verse 1 through 11 but before we jump into verse 1 what i want you to do is show you the end all right so verse 10 let's go to verse 10 and it says that after you have suffered a little while and i'll explain that in a little bit the god of all grace all right so if you want grace in any form or fashion, there's one place to get it. You're not going to get grace by gaining knowledge in the world. You're not going to get grace by uh, you know, you know, being, uh, I don't know how to say this nice. Um, <laughs> you're not going to by, uh, how would you say it when you're trying, well, gosh. Yeah, don't <laughs> uh, you're not going to get grace by trying to be the teacher's pet. There you go. That was a good. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you're not going to get grace by trying to be the teacher's pet. That's not where grace comes from. That's the world system. That's the mammon system. You're not going to get grace by working hard. Grace doesn't come by working hard. Working hard is a good thing to do, but that's not how grace comes. The God of all grace is where grace comes from. And you need grace because grace is what beats problems. Amen? Man, this is good stuff. This is not stuff I had prepared. Thank you, Lord. But you need grace. But there's only one place it's coming from. It's coming from God. So in order to get into the grace of God, we must adhere to the principles and the order and the ways that he has put into place. Humility is one of those things. It says this, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen. This is amazing. In other words, you know that verse where it talked about in Psalm 133, talking about unity, it says this. It says that unity actually will cause God to, for himself, to command the blessing in your life. You know, it's like I can go up to Jeff and say, be blessed, and things can change, you know. Um, Rachel was talking the other day about, uh, are you praying over blessing our food? Because stop, we got enough, you know, and, uh, and it was pretty funny. Well, man can, can have some kind of blessing, right? But think about it if the originator of grace and the blessing says, be blessed. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother level of blessing, right? Yeah. 
Now, ultimately, we should be walking in that same level. If we're not, then we actually have a disconnect. But just think about it, the one that doesn't have any corruption or any compromise ever in him. When he says, be blessed, his words do something. It's going to happen. That's what unity does. Well, it's the same thing with grace. If we want him, think about this. When we get into humility, he starts pouring out all grace. And he perfects confirms, strengthens, and establishes. He does it. Oh, man, man, I need that in my life. I need God perfecting me. I need God confirming me. I need Him strengthening me and establishing me. Because he can perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish better than I ever could. I can work all my life and not do what God can do in a split second. So a lot of times what happens is people try to become the teacher's pet. They try to work so hard. They try to do all these things to get the grace of God and the favor of God to hit them. And they never do what he said when he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. They never step into actually God's way of doing things. And they never experience the fullness of His grace because they keep trying to do it their way, their thinking, the way that the world has taught them, the way that the world has, you know, told them to go. There's many people that are trying to, well, if I'll just be friends, you know, if I'll be friends, let's say that this section over here, man, they got the power strings and they have the money. Well, if I can just become friends with this section over here, then I'll start to, I'll start to become a power money person myself. <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> yeah. Right? And the world will try to teach you that well. Sir, ma'am, if you'll just come be our friend, then you can be a power person too. Well, is that through God? No, that's not God at all. That's the opposite. That's actually the mammon system. That's the world system, not God's system. God's system is this. Look, love on all the people, not just that one section. Love on them all. Humble yourself to God. Get, get close to God. That's his system. Get to know him. Live in a reset fellowship. Live in that intimate fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you will experience the grace and favor that you've been striving for all your life. This is the end now. Here, we're getting to a place. This is what we want to get to. And uh, verse 10, after you suffer a little while, the God of all grace, again, that suffering there that you're reading about, don't be scared of that. After you'd suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, you want to be perfected, confirmed, strengthened, and established. Do you agree? Yes. Everybody with me that I want God to do that for me? 
Amen. Okay, well, there's something that we play a part in. If we are in partnership with God, that's his part of this deal. And he showed us what our part of this deal is as well. And it's not necessarily just a payment for something. It's just if I love him, I will be doing this. But when I do this, these are the results of it. He will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish. So I need to do that. Let's turn the monitors down just a touch, please. So let's go back up to verse 1. And remember, this is the order of God. You've got God at the head. He sets up a leadership. And that leadership is over the body. Turn the monitors down there on the top. Thank you. So he says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. All right, so let's just take a minute. Let's not just jump over these verses because we want to get to perfecting, confirming, strengthening, and establishing. And we don't want to assume on our way to that. Okay, so let's take our time. Therefore, what Peter is saying is this. I exhort the elders. I'm building you up. What I'm about to tell you should strengthen you, should build you up as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. In other words, what he's saying here is, I watched Christ do what he did. And, and let me just put it to you this way. And he saw results from what Christ did. It didn't end at the sufferings. There was something that came from what he went through. All right? And he says, and I was a partaker, I was a partner also of the glory that is to be revealed. So in other words, because I was there and because I'm a partner in this thing with God, he has shared the glory that was revealed through the suffering that Christ did. Through the obedience that Christ went through, I now am a partaker, I'm a partner with him, and I am a receiver of the glory. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. What he's saying is, if you will partner up with Christ, you will be a receiver of his glory as well. How many people want his glory? Then we need to see what he's saying here. All right, so num uh, verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God among you. Now, he's talking here to shepherds. He's talking to overseers. He's talking to fivefold ministry. But is, let me ask you this question. Is this godliness or not? This is godliness. So no matter if you're a pastor or fivefold ministry or anything like that, can you learn something here? Is this the heart of God? Yeah, it is. It is. So it doesn't matter if you're called to be that or not. And let me just tell you this. You don't get to different places in God by acting like you're at the place that you are. You start taking on the responsibility of growth, and that's the person that God can promote. I can tell you before I started pastoring, he got on to me for not acting like a pastor. 
He's like, you're not thinking like a pastor. You're not acting like a pastor. You're not taking the responsibility of a pastor. You're just going through complaining that you ain't one yet. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're ever called to be a pastor. You should see that I have a responsibility now. I don't care how old you are, young or old. You have a responsibility now to grow in the things of God because at one day, sometime... God's going to bring somebody to you that you are supposed to help disciple. So this is for everybody. And just because they're not five-fold ministry doesn't mean that they aren't pastors and they aren't shepherding because a pastor is a shepherd. God will uh, increase people in a church like this and he'll bring people uh, to other shepherds, they may not be a fivefold ministry separated, ordained by God, pastor, but they may be somebody that has a pastoral gifting. And that person will be the kind of pe- person that God will send people to so that they can care for the things in their life. So just because they're not five-fold ministry ordained pastor doesn't mean that they don't operate as a pastor. So this is not just talking about five-fold ministry alone. It's talking about believers. Shepherd the flock of God among you. In other words, you should all receive this as, I have a responsibility in this place to be the leader that God's called me to be. And if I see somebody that needs some care or they need to, you know, their, their, uh, uh, their wool has gotten all tangled up, then you've got to straighten it out, right? Amen. That was so much fun. I'm so glad God gave me that example. I could do it again. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Just You don't have to wait for me to come and care on a sheep, do you? I, I, a lot of times, you know, people will call or they'll say, Hey, pastor, somebody needs something such and such. And, I'll, and I, my thoughts immediately are, well, do it. <laughs> do it. I'm here to perfect you, to help you perfect for the work of the ministry. The work of service. Yeah. You know, you got the phone call from them. Hallelujah. Sounds like God. Yeah. Help. <laughs> Help. <laughs> you know, it, the truth of the matter is, this kind of goes to you know our message on Sunday when we're all in. By about the fourth or fifth week that people come, everybody in here ought to be a volunteer. You know, this is, this is another one of those things. Why? Because, because we are all servants. Here's another one of those things. The truth of the matter is, I should almost never, if this was working properly, I should almost never hear something that somebody needs. Because before it could get to me, there were people strong enough in the spirit and resources to handle it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh my God, hallelujah, Lord, just the thought of it's awesome. All right, amen. Shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not under forcefulness. Uh, You know, again, again, it's just like we're not supposed to give under compulsion. 
We're not supposed to exercise authority and oversight under compulsion. Because, I mean, I can have the greatest thing. But let's say that I'm telling Jeff, <laughs> let's say that I, I got something really good and from God for Jeff, right? And I'm overseeing his life. But if I came up here and I was like, Jeff, <laughs> open, open your mouth, open your mouth. <laughs> how would he, how would he feel about that? It doesn't matter how good it was that I was feeding him or trying to help him. If I try to force feed it, it's not going to be good. So who is he talking to in this verse? Is he just talking to me? He's saying, you, shepherd the flock that is among you and do it without being forceful, without forcing your ways on people. And I can tell you when, it, when it's you and you got some flesh, that can be tough at times, even if you're trying to do it right. It can be tough because you want the best for them. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. In other words, we don't want to exercise oversight by forcing it on them, we want them to move to a place, a heart of voluntary service, voluntary loving back on God. I want them to do things not because I'm telling them to do them. I want them to do things right and godly and in love because they love God. Because they are voluntarily saying God's worth it. This is what Boomerang's been about the whole time. It started with the offerings, you know. We didn't want anybody to feel under any pressure to do that. Is it right to do it? Absolutely. But I want you to get to the place where you give because you love God. Not because you have a need, not because you have a want, not because I'm putting pressure on you, not because you're just coming to church. In other words, even if you didn't come to church, you love God so much that you would say, Lord, I just want to give to you. How can I give to you more? Because you want to so much. Yeah. That's the right place. That's why, you know, if we, we get up here and we do an a emotional pull for an offering, I am very uncomfortable doing that because I think it goes contrary to the grain of the heart of God. Well, it's the same thing in serving. I don't want you, I don't want you actually making decisions in your life simply because I told you that's the wrong one. I want you making those decisions that are godly because you love Him too. I want you breaking uh, relationships that are wrong. Not because I told you, because it's the right thing to do and you love God. I want you forming new relationships. Not because I told you to, but because you love God. I want your habits to change. Not because I told you to, because you know that this is a godly thing to do and I love God, so therefore that's who I am. It all needs to be done so that you are doing it because I love God. Everything. I'm trusting God because I love Him. 
I'm living life because I love him. This is humility. So don't, don't exercise oversight under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. So when we're leading and we're growing in the church and we are exercising oversight in the church, it should not be because, well, I see a bunch of pastors and they have nice cars and sometimes people pay for things for them. And, but there's a lot of people that get in ministry for that kind of stuff. There's, there's a movie, uh, The Book of Eli, which is, I'm pretty sure, rated R. And, uh, but it has a good point in it where um, the guy was looking for the Bible because at one point in history they'd all been burned. He was looking for one. He says, because those words are powerful. Those words will move people. Yeah. Right? But here's the thing. It's not to be done for those reasons. It's to be done with eagerness towards the heart of God. And we should, all of us, always be making sure, why am I willing to do that? Why am I willing to serve God? Why am I willing to get up there and preach? Why am I willing to not get up there and preach? I should be, our all-in series on Sunday morning has been making us ask that question. Why am I doing Am I doing this for Jesus or am I doing it for me? Why am I doing this? This is what it's saying. Check your motivations. We should always check our motivations. I see people all the time with what I call a my ministry mentality. Man, they can't wait to get up there and tell you all about it. And they want to use somebody's pulpit, somebody's platform. And it's the wrong thing. Even the disciples had that idea once. And it was the wrong thing. You don't do this for those reasons. You do it, and you got to check you because I can tell you there's been times where I said, yes, I want to do that because I love God. And that, wasn't, that was part of the reason, but it wasn't all of the reason. There was a part of me that wanted to be famous. And I had to put that down. You know? I would say that it wasn't, and my desire to be famous might have been less than most people, but it was still there. And even if it's there for just a little bit, yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. It's what this calls sordid gain. It's not just money that's sordid gain. It's, it's anything that's the wrong desires, the wrong motivation. This is where humility, don't, don't have a my ministry mentality. He says, and not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to your flock. In other words, this fivefold ministry, they can't be like, yeah, well, look at me. I'm fivefold ministry. You're just a sheep. But see, you don't lord it over them. Who cares that you're fivefold ministry if you're not moving in love? And if you're lording it over him, you're not in love. Whoop de doo. If you're not in love, you're not operating in God, you might as well not be there in the first place. It you that position really doesn't mean anything. If it's not called by God, anointed by God, in the right place and the right time by God, and moving by God. So no matter who we are, where we're at in our ministry, whether it's whether it's uh, you know 
uh, cleaning carpets or preaching the word, we got to check our motivations. We got to check our motivations for doing it, and we got to check our motivations for not doing it. We got to check those motivations, make sure that they are correct. And we can't lord it over somebody. That means that we can't uh, be like um, holding it almost against them, like I'm in. Uh, you see this triangle? I am higher than you are. So you need to listen to me. Well, that may be true. You do need to listen. It may be true that in the order, it's higher. But that means nothing. You start taking that attitude. It's a bunch of junk. And you've got to recognize that that's not why people should listen to you. They should listen to you for the last part of this verse that says that you're proving to be examples to the flock. They should see you making decisions and your decisions and your life should be a proof to them that they should follow the things that, you are, uh, that you're doing. Yes, that they should follow your decisions. They should follow that kind of leading. Because you're moving in those things. And when you have problems, you know how to deal with them. You know how to handle them because you're growing. And when the chief uh, shepherd appears in verse 4, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. Now, do you think that this is just younger in age? No. No. No, this is, this is young. It is talking about that. Younger in age, be subject to older in age people. You should. You should honor them. But at the same time, it's also talking about younger in Christ. Younger in the Spirit. You know, it, it blesses me so much that these fellows are sitting here. Right? Because the truth of the matter is they don't, they don't have to. They could look at me and say, well, that young whippersnapper, he ain't got, he don't know nothing. But out of humility, they say, nah, I need to listen. That's humility. And that's the right thing. So it says, it says here, and it doesn't have to be just because, you know, you think somebody is elder in Christ than you are not. It can be, you know, you should listen to your children. They can hear from God. A lot of them better than you. It's true. Do what? Yeah. They can, they can hear from the Lord. I, you know, I, people say they'll uh, meet, meet me and meet my kids and they'll say something. I'll tell my kids, say, yes, sir, or no, sir, or Mr. so-and-so, or Mrs. so-and-so. And uh, they'll be like, oh, no, don't do that. I said, no, 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 I call them mister as well because I'm honoring them. I'm, I'm subjecting myself to them because they're still part of the body. It doesn't matter what age they are. This is what's right is to, is to honor people, to love on people. This is, a, this is a thing of God that the world has thrown away. Honor is a good thing. Humility is a good thing. When my daughters will come up to me, I'll, they'll ask me something. I'll say, yes, ma'am. 
Luke even, yes sir, no sir. Why? I'm teaching him to say that to everybody. Why? Because I don't want him to honor just one group of people. I want him to honor every group of people. Well, then even more so, we should make sure that if we find ourselves in a position where there's somebody that is our elder, be it by age or by the Spirit, we should be subject to them. We should subject ourselves, submit ourselves to that, particularly in a body that Christ has placed you in. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. You notice it didn't say just towards your elders. It says, clothe clothe yourselves with humility to one another. Towards one another. Towards one another. We should clothe ourselves with humility. Let's say that Seth did something wrong to me, right? Let's say that he did something wrong to me. Well, that, that doesn't mean that I should walk up there, you know, humility towards him. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't correct him, particularly being the pastor, and, and I have. But it doesn't mean that every single time I'm going to just walk up to him and be like, you stupid, <laughs> you know. No, if I'm going to clothe myself with humility towards him, you know, sometimes you know, I'm even going to take the blame for something he did. Yeah. That's humility. I've had people, this has happened multiple times, and, they'll, and, and they absolutely positively messed up. They did something wrong. And I know they did something wrong. It's obvious, right? And I'll come up and I'll say, hey, man, it was probably me, but this happened. I, I probably messed up. And, and, and I'm not lying, knowing that they messed up. I'm not lying. Because the truth of the matter is, pride says, I know every detail that happened, and you were wrong. I couldn't have messed up, but I'm lying now to make you feel better about yourself. No, you see, humility says this. You know what? I know every detail that I know, but there may be some details I do not know. And in those details, I could be wrong. And so what I want to do is not put it all on your shoulders. It might have been me. That's humility. In other words, it's not just finding fault where logic says fault lies. It is clothing yourself with humility that says, hey, it might have been me. I could have missed it. This, man, we're talking about new level stuff. I mean, how many Christians you've seen do that? Not too many. But it's the right thing to do. That's humility. That's considering others over yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what he's saying here is all of this stuff to subject yourselves to the elders, to clothe yourself with humility, to subject you, uh, sub, you know, younger men, subject yourself to the elders, elders to rule wisely and, and to without compulsion, but leading people uh, to the place where they want to voluntarily do things for God. All of this is humility, and all of this is where grace is poured out. 
Therefore, because of this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. See, a lot of times we're not getting exalted for a couple of reasons. Number one, we're not persevering to the end. Number two, we're not in humility or faith. So one of those two things, we, do you know how many, blessings, how many blessings are available to you? And just think about this. Do you know how many blessings you've missed out on? When you start thinking about that, when you start reading this kind of stuff and then thinking about it, how many times have I drawn up short, just short of the blessing of God? Now think about this. If you would have been blessed in that moment, you know, she read uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, but 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says that out of your abundance, you will have uh, what you need to do every good work. So every blessing that we miss is an abundance to not do the good works of God. How many blessings have we missed because we didn't have humility, because we didn't persevere? And, but here's the better question. How many can we from this point forward, learning this, knowing this, grabbing a hold of this, making it ours, how many from this point forward we can say, I'm going to have everything that the Lord presents me with. I'm going to move in an abundance. I'm going to move in an overflow for every good work that he puts in front of me. Why? Because I don't want to take the potential that I have and bury it in the ground. I want well done, good and faithful servant. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So now he's starting to relate humility to your thoughts. Humility is in your thinking. Humility is in whether or not you fear something or not. He's saying if you have anxieties, you have fears, you have worries... Cast them on God. Humility is saying, I don't accept you, anxiety. I don't accept you, fear. I don't accept you, worry. I do not accept that because the grace of God is greater. I will move in humility and I will see the promise of God. Why? Because he cares for me better than I could ever care for myself. Humility is recognizing that. Pride is saying, well, I'll handle it, because if I don't handle it, it won't get done. That's pride. Yep. Humility is saying, I don't have to worry about it. Yep. It's not saying I don't have something to do. It's just saying, if God tells me something to do, I'm at the go. I'm at the ready to make that thing happen. All I got to do is hear from him, yep. and I will be ready to go. I need to connect with him. I need to spend intimate fellowship with him so I can hear clearly what he wants. And then when I hear from him, I just go straight and do that without waste, wasting any time. And all of a sudden, I humble myself and time passes and he exalts. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences 
All right, let's just stop right there. Be sober. In other words, don't think, don't be drunk. Don't be drunk on the things of the world, the thoughts of the world. Don't be drunk by anxieties and cares and fears because they will affect your thinking. And it says be sober. No. See, what he does is he tries to give you some of that spirit of fear, if you can imagine spirit of fear in a bottle. He tries to give you a spirit of fear or a spirit of anxiety. And if you will sit and take on that anxiety, on that fear, on that worry, and you will sip on that, it will get you in the place where you will not resist what that worry was about when it comes. In other words, by the time you see the hole or by the time you see the pitfall, you're already in it in your head, although you're not in it in in the flesh. But in your head, it's already a done deal because you have gotten drunk on the fear and anxiety and the worldly thinking. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Who can he devour? The one who will be anxious, the one who will be in pride and not in humility, the one that will not persevere. These are the people that he will. But if I will humble myself to God and I will take on, hey, if there's a problem, I might have been the one that caused it. And I'm okay with that. You know what? We've had problems in Boomerang. And guess what? It was me on a lot of them. Stuff I had to fix. And I have to be willing to say, hey, I ain't God. I can miss it. That's okay. If I told you I couldn't miss it, would it make you feel better? It shouldn't. It should scare you. (laughs) But yet we act like the person that says, I still got issues to overcome too. Like, well, I can't follow them. Why? Because they told you the truth? You'd rather have somebody that lies to you. Okay. Y'all remember that when November comes around, all right? So, amen. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now look at these sufferings that it's talking about, because I don't want you to be afraid of sufferings. And here's here's what those sufferings are, first of all. Number one, are sufferings taking a beating for Jesus? (laughs) It's possible. It's possible. Well, let's just say that that happens. That you start taking beatings for Jesus. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. It happens throughout the world. We, We have it very easy here. Do you think that God's grace is going to be with you? You see, what we're scared of is the idea of that. 
And again, we're getting drunk with the fear of what if that actually happens? Whereas you should be sober-minded that says, if that happens, then I praise God that he counted me worthy to share in some of the sufferings that God did. That's what Paul said. But you also have to recognize that God is not wanting that for you. He didn't ever wanted this world corrupted. But he also is leading you always to triumph. He also is always leading you to a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And 2 Corinthians 2, 14 are the two scriptures I was just talking about. He's always leading you to that. And even if you're in that situation, guess what will be there right there with you? His grace. His grace. And guess what will bring you out of it? His grace. And a lot of times, though, we have this mindset. We need to break this mindset. We have this earthly mindset that lasts for a hundred, you know, generally most people 70 years long. And we've got to get a mindset that is eternity long. Because that beating, I mean, it might lay you up for several years, but in view of eternity, it is not that long. See, most people, uh, you know, they'll run from, from that, but they can't even sit still for a couple hours in church. They think that's suffering today in America. But it's true. They'll make excuses for not being here. They'll go watch a movie, three-hour movie, no problem. You know, won't even get up to go to the bathroom. They'll sit there like this going, no, I've got to see the end of this movie. But my Lord, they get a little bit of pressure there in church. They're like, oop, i got to go, you know. And sometimes you got to, and that's okay. But it's like when we make a habit of it, you know. There's, a, there's this thing. We've got to learn that the things of God are worth more than that minute of time. These sufferings, see, the Lord died once for all. The Lord died once for all time. He wasn't wanting you to suffer. Matter of fact, I believe a lot of times that people that find themselves in the suffering, it's one of two things. Either one is they believe that they're supposed to suffer for, for Christ and not believing for triumph to escape it, which can happen. Or, they're, uh, and they don't know. And so they go through it and they think it was God. What the devil's done is he's set it up. He's, he's shown them in their mind a way for them to give glory to God in a wrong way. Or there's an opportunity that Jesus presents somebody with. Hey, you can be a martyr for me. Will you give your life? And they choose, I'll do that for you. And it's their choice. And there's some scriptures to back this up. And that's a beautiful thing. That's an absolutely beautiful thing. But most of the sufferings that he's talking about are the things that we will go through and how you will be ridiculed and called a, called a devil and how you'll be talked bad against and people will hate you simply because of your relationship with Christ. We've been talking about the extreme stuff, but most of the sufferings are the ones where you'll feel the pressure of the world because you're in the world but not of it. And the truth of the matter is, that's nothing. It's nothing. But if we will humble ourselves to God 
and we will go through. What he's saying is, here is this. He's showing you the end result. And what was the end result? That you will be perfected, confirmed, strengthened, and established. That in due time, God will exalt you. That's the end result of God. And what he says is, take comfort in this. You're not the only one going through it. You're not the only one that has some of the sufferings going on. But matter of fact, all across the world, the ones that are deciding to stand strong, resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist the devil so that they can move into that end result that God has for them. Take strength in knowing that this is happening. That's what he's saying. It's happening. You're not the only one who's ever faced this. You'll never be the only one. But the ones who have stood, they're moving through to the end result of being perfected and confirmed, strengthened and established, exalted in due time. This is what God's leading you to. But it takes a humility to think that way. Because your flesh is saying, mm, that sounds bad, Brian. I don't know if I want to do that. And that comes back to the series on Sunday morning. Who are you living for? You living for you or you living for Jesus? You living for you or you living for Jesus? It's time for us to get real. And you know a lot of the problems that the world has with the church is because the church says they believe in this stuff, but they haven't been doing it. And then they're like, well, where's this church? Where's that at? Where's this, this triumphant church that Jesus talks about? And they can't be triumphant because they won't humble themselves to the things of God. Yeah. And because they won't humble themselves, they won't get in grace. Verse 11, to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, here's the thing. There's dominion that God is supposed to take up because we make decisions to humble ourselves. We make decisions to make him a priority. We make decisions that, you know what, even if it costs me a little bit of suffering, that's no problem. You know why people are afraid of suffering? You know, basically it works like this. The peace that you're afraid of is that God will not take away all of the pain. The peace that you're afraid of is the pressure that it will put on my flesh, either physically or mentally. So let me ask you this. Where's that afraid and fear coming from? It's not from God. And so they will never walk into sufferings that God would give them the grace to go right through because they constantly see a problem before it actually comes up. What I've found is, you know, I, we've had several instances in the last month where I've heard the comments where people are like, Brian, I don't know how you do that, you know. I don't know how you put up with that. I don't know how you're that patient. I don't know how you're that merciful with people because we've had some people do some wrong things. And so I've heard this kind of comment several times over the last month because it's just been a fun month. And, um, and so here's the thing. How do I do that? Because I don't feel them anymore. Not like I used to. Why? Because his grace is greater than the suffering. 
It doesn't bother me. I can forgive instantly. Why? Because I've just grown in that area. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. I still have to put the flesh down just like you do. But I'm better at it than I used to be. Because used to, somebody do something and it was like, mm, oh, it's about to get on. <sighs> right now. But that's not the immediate response anymore. The immediate response now is, all right, Lord, what do you want to do with this? And watch as he brings about his will by somebody that's willing to humble themselves to his purposes and his destiny. Here's the goal of all this. I was going to actually draw more, but if you've been in our leadership class, one of the things that you've seen is you've seen these stair steps, right? And this is going to your destiny. Here's 2015, and you have to go to your destiny. And the statement is, growth without change is impossible. You've got to have change, right? Well, in order for us to have change, in order for us, what will happen is we'll go a little bit and then we'll plateau. Well, God wants us to hit these new levels in Him. This To reach our destiny in Him, we have to go forward. We have to go higher. And in order to go higher, every time we hit this plateau, we've got to change. Change is necessary at each one for us to go up to the new level. All right. Now, this is in your personal life, but it's also in the church. The point is, when we get in humility, all of this, the kingdom of God, the fivefold ministry, the body of Christ, when we get in humility, all of it rises up and we grow. See, I don't need to just be growing by myself. I need all of us to get up to another level. And when we get there, I need us to change again so that we can get up to another level. Because the higher that we go in God, the more that He can do with us. And we need to do everything that He set us to. But that takes humility. The goal is to take the whole body and move it up and up and up so that we actually hit the destiny that God has set for Boomerang Church. That happens by us going about his order, which is a humility. We have to be humble in order to reach that destiny. But it doesn't just take me. It doesn't just take you. It takes all of us saying, Lord, we'll be a humble people. We'll be the kind of person that won't get offended at things. We'll be the kind of person that doesn't make excuses for things. We'll be the kind of person that seeks you first and your kingdom and your righteousness. We'll be the kind of person that the true answer to everything, what we do and who we live for, is Jesus. We'll be the kind of people that will go after you with everything that we have. And what we will find along the way is a grace that's greater. Because you're going to face problems that are bigger than this group. You're going to face problems that are bigger than you. And that's where you need a God and his grace that's greater than the problem. That takes humility, though. That takes humility. Lord, I just thank you right now for your grace 
that comes through humility. Father, we just lift up people right now that they will grow in their humility so that they can grow in how much grace they receive. You've already paid it all. You've already paid the price. But Lord, I just ask that they will grow in that. Lord, I ask right now that they would see clearly where humility has not been. And they will see clearly where humility is going. And Lord, I thank you for the grace that you are pouring out. It will be awesome. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the empowerment to get humble and be humble and be a humble people. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in every way. Lord, thank you for allowing us to partner with you. To be partakers of your glory. And partakers of your grace. And in Jesus' name, we just pray right now. For your will to be done perfectly. In the lives of everybody that's listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like for you to join with me real quick. Um, will you go get Ansley? 